0: ...to celebrate special occasions. We give them as gifts. Uh, Diamonds are a girl's best friend, so they say. Ladies, would you agree? Uh, Yeah, diamonds are a symbol of celebration, and yet nobody gives a diamond in its original state, right? The diamond that you get, that you give, uh, the diamonds that you wear, uh, they've all been cut and polished and cut and polished and cut and polished and cut and polished, Because they start out sort of looking like a rock, right? Sort of looking like a piece of coal. They're not a piece of coal, but they sort of look like a piece of coal. And they're not all that elegant or glamorous or beautiful until they go through a process of transformation, of restoration. And in the end, there's there's something not only beautiful, there's something valuable, incredibly valuable. Uh, Diamonds aren't the only things that we restore uh, at least, not if you watch HD TV, right? Uh, HTV is uh, HGTV is all about the restoration. Uh, they have almost 24-hour programming of homes and condos and apartments and all other manner of things that once were broken in disrepair, being restored to something uh, beautiful. I, I. I don't watch a lot of those shows. I'm, I'm in the minority, obviously, because there's so many of them. I don't watch a lot of them because I don't like being reminded of what I can't do. And Specifically, I don't like my wife being reminded of what I can't do. I, I, I don't like hearing, why can't you do that 50 times in a 30-minute program? So I don't watch a lot of these shows, but apparently a lot of you do. Uh, Here's some of the shows. Brother vs. Brother, Boise Boys, Desert Flippers, Fixer Upper, Flip or Flop, Good Bones, Hometown, Love It or List It, Hidden Potential, Property Brothers, not to mention the one that kind of started all of it, right? Home Makeover Extreme, Home Makeover Move That Boss, right? That's kind of where everybody got excited about this. Like it's great to 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 meet somebody, to watch somebody who can look at kind of a broken down mess and know how it can get put back together. Can 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 look at paint peeling and, and walls falling down and go, yeah, but this has potential. Like this could be something really, and then we knock that out and we put some new here and and we get rid of that room and combine those rooms and rework the yard and put some tile down and new columns and a fireplace and a water fountain and a roller coaster. And all the things they put in there to make it so incredible. Uh, I can't see that. These, these people can see that. Jesus, Jesus' life was all about putting broken things back together. You don't, you don't read very far in the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, the second part of the Bible, those are the stories of Jesus, and you don't read very far in the stories of Jesus before you find him meeting people, circumstances, situations that are broken down and in need of repair. Jesus didn't repair homes, although he was a carpenter, he learned to trade from his dad, he probably could have, could have pulled off Chip and Joanna Gaines sort of deal, but what Jesus did is he repaired hearts and, and lives. And sometimes he repaired relationships, and sometimes he repaired people physically, and sometimes he prepared them emotionally. But every person that he came into contact, the one part of their brokenness he knew they had was spiritually. He knew spiritually things need to be put back together in people. And that's what Jesus did all throughout his life and all throughout his ministry. He salvaged people. He found broken parts, broken pieces, and says, I can do something with that. Like if you give me that, I, I can do something with that. Now, so, so over the next month, we're going to talk about a couple of different circumstances where Jesus shows up, this, everything's broken, and Jesus salvages this moment. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of a person who needs salvaging. I don't know what image comes to your mind, uh, what type of situation comes to your mind, I think when it comes to the home repair shows, the ones we like the best are the ones where like everything's falling apart. Everybody knows this house is in trouble. The, the yard is overgrown, the house, the columns are, are about to fall down, the roof is sagging, the paint's peeling, the, the porch has got holes, it's fallen through. It's an am- if you drove by that house, you would know that house needs some help. But that's not always the way salvage projects are. Some, sometimes things look fine from the street. Like the facade looks fine, but you open the door and you go inside and you realize there's, there's broken pieces all over the place. Or maybe you have to go around back. Or maybe you, you bust out a wall and you realize, oh, there's more problems here than we thought. That's kind of the situation with the guy we're going to study today. Because he had a lot of things going for him. I mean, life was okay for this guy. As a matter of fact, life was better than okay for this guy. He he wasn't handicapped. He he wasn't disabled. He didn't need to be healed physically. He had a job. Uh, He had a great job. Uh, Not everybody liked his job, but it it worked for him. Uh, The Bible tells us he was wealthy. He He didn't need anybody to build him a house. He didn't need anybody to repair his house. Materially, financially... He had everything that he could have wanted. And yet, Jesus meets him and knows he needs to be salvaged. This person on the inside needs to be restored. This is how the story starts. Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, so... First main character, Jesus. Always good when he's the first main character. right? Jesus going through Jericho. The narrator says, Luke's telling the story, and Luke says, Jesus and the disciples, they're just passing through. like They're trying to get from point A to point B. Jericho was in the middle. They're just going through, and there's a crowd coming out to see Jesus, but they're they're moving through the city. And then there's this other guy. His name is Zacchaeus. And the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, there are a couple of places in the Bible where tax collectors are referenced. A uh, fairly popular one was a guy named Matthew becomes a disciple. Zacchaeus is the only person that the Bible says was the chief tax collector. And we don't really know what the chief tax collector did. I mean, we can sort of Imagine if there were tax collectors and there was a chief tax collector, then he was, he was the manager of the department. He was the supervisor over all the people underneath. He, he was at the top of the pyramid scheme, like whatever. He was the big guy, and there were people under him. And Zacchaeus probably trained these other tax collectors. Zacchaeus definitely told them what the rules were. He was the go-between between the tax collectors and Rome. Rome would hand down instructions and Zacchaeus would carry out those instructions with Zacchaeus, which put him at odds with all of the people that he knew because Rome had taken over their country. Rome had imposed not just their laws but their way of life. They were trying to impose... Uh, their their, uh, social norms, and the Jewish people, they they hated Rome. And if you were a Jewish person and you worked for Rome, then they hated you too. Well, that's where Zacchaeus is. He's the chief tax collector. And if if you're going to be a tax collector, if you're going to be the chief tax collector, Jericho is a pretty good place to be that. Because uh, close to Jericho was one of the primary trade routes. And if there's trade routes, then there's plenty of opportunity to tax. It was a wealthy city, plenty of wealthy citizens. If you were gonna skim off the top, if you were gonna make your living by taxing people, Jericho was a great place to live. And the Bible says, he was wealthy. Except, like I said, nobody likes a tax collector. Not much has changed in 2,000 years, right? Nobody likes the IRS. Nobody likes a tax collector, especially one that has turned his back on his own people and sided seemingly with the enemy. So Zacchaeus had everything he needed materially, and yet not relationally, and certainly not spiritually. The story goes on. He, Zacchaeus, wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. If you're close to my age and and you grew up in church, you went to Sunday school, you went to vacation Bible school. Churches taught kids back in my day this little song about Zacchaeus. And the words went like this, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man. Well, see, I don't want to go politically correct on you, but I just don't think we should height shame people. <laughs> I mean, we taught we, we, people taught in church, they taught us to make fun of a grown man's height. I think there's something wrong with that. <laughs> this is basically bullying. We're not going to teach wee little man at Journey. You six-foot people don't know what it's like <laughs> to be in a crowd. Because like, you can see over everybody. You're like, your head's up here, and you can see where you're going and where the crowd. Oh, let's don't go over there. You don't know what it's like to be down in the jungle (laughs) of arms and shoulders and body parts and not be able to see where you're going. We should not make fun of a person who is vertically challenged, and that is Zacchaeus. He can't see. He's in the crowd. So he decides, here's what I'm going to do. I'm I'm going to find a way to see Jesus. I'm going to find a way to get to him, to see him, to spend time with him. So he climbs a tree. Climbs a tree, says, up here, I'll be able to see who's going by. I'll be able to see. Who this Jesus is? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how he knew Jesus. The Bible doesn't tell us what his interest in Jesus was. It just says, Luke 19, 4. So he, Zacchaeus, ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And I, I don't know what Zacchaeus was like. I mean this is, the, this is the only story we have of Zacchaeus. Luke is the only book that tells this story. We have like nine verses about this person, Zacchaeus. And I don't, I don't know what his personality was like. I, 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 we learned later that he cheated people. I mean, there was, there was some not nice stuff going on in Zacchaeus' life. The one thing the Bible tells us about Zacchaeus is he wanted to see Jesus. And we don't know why. We don't know, we don't know what drew him to Jesus. But there was this day and Zacchaeus decided, I got to see this person. Maybe he'd heard stories. Maybe somebody in his circle had heard Jesus teach somewhere else, heard about Jesus healing somebody somewhere else. We don't know. We don't know what drove him to do this. But Zacchaeus takes the extreme measure of climbing up in a tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And and I don't don't know a lot of you real well. Some of you I know. Some of you I don't know real well. Personality, your background. I don't know all those things. What I know is people who want to see Jesus find a way to see Jesus. People who want to get close to Jesus, they just find a way to get close to Jesus. They just decide, I need to be close to this person, this man, this this not historical figure only, this God. I, I I need to know about this Jesus. I need to understand Jesus, and I'm not going to let anybody get in my way. I want to see Jesus, and what I've found in my life is that the people who really want to see Jesus, they find a way. And the people who don't want to see Jesus make an excuse. People people who really don't want to draw close to Jesus, they, they blame church, or they blame their experience, or Christians, or hypocrites, or organized religion, or they quote whoever the popular atheist of the day is to keep their distance. people don't want to draw close to Jesus. They find ways to stay away from Jesus. But when somebody has decided, I need to know about this person. I I need to find out if he has what I need, they find a way to get to Jesus. And that was Zacchaeus. Crowd wasn't going to stop him. His height wasn't going to stop him. He was going to find a way to see this Jesus, verse 5, when Jesus... Reached the spot, the spot where Zacchaeus was up in the tree, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, turn in the story. Zacchaeus in the tree, Jesus walking by, he's passing through, remember, he stops. He looks up at Zacchaeus, and it's not because Jesus is surprised. If we had been Jesus, we would have been surprised, right? Man in a tree, that's weird. Jesus was not surprised. Jesus stopped there on purpose and looks up in the tree, and he, he saw Zacchaeus. What I love about Jesus is if you're looking for Jesus this morning, he's already looking for you. If if you're interested in Jesus, he's already interested in you. If you think Jesus might be the answer, he's already coming to you. Zacchaeus thought he was going to be anonymous. He was going to just see Jesus go walking by. Jesus had already seen Zacchaeus. Jesus was already initiating a relationship with Zacchaeus. Jesus gets more intentional. He says... Today, I want to go to your house. I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. I thought he was passing through. Yeah, everybody thought he was passing through. But Jesus said, I must go to your house. Sometimes we think we're passing through in life. Sometimes we think, well, I'm just getting from here to there. I'm just trying to get from A to B, trying to get the kids graduated, just trying to get the kids here, just trying to take care, just trying to pay a bit, just trying to pass through. But in the passing through, Jesus often says, now, I must spend time. I must be, I must talk to you. I have intention in your life. I have purpose for your life. And Jesus is going to look us in the eye and say, today, I need to come to you. I need to be with you. You don't have to look for me. I'm looking for you. Zacchaeus comes down. Jesus goes to his house. They have some kind of party, some kind of dinner together. And then the camera's been focused on Jesus and Zacchaeus' whole story, their interaction. And for the first time, the camera pans over to the crowd. And this is what we're told. Verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. What is Jesus thinking? Jesus, how could you? How could you go to dinner with somebody I don't like? How could you go to dinner with somebody I disagree with? How could you go to dinner with somebody who voted differently than I did? Jesus, what are you doing? Here's here's the thing about salvage stories. Every salvage story has an ooh moment. It has a moment where if you're just looking on from the outside, you go, oh, that's gross. That's ugly. That's messed up. That's broken. Every salvage story starts with a moment of, ooh. Brought some examples. Here's a picture right, ooh moment, next picture, exactly, that's what I'm saying, that's what I'm saying, see, every salvage story has two moments, it has a ooh moment, and it has an ah moment, right, let's practice, ooh, ah, perfect, let me show you another one, this is, ooh, and this is, you got it, you got it, man, look at that, Ooh, ah. Every piece of furniture starts out with an ooh. Every old car starts out with an ooh. Let's look at the next one. Oh man. Look at that. I mean, this is ooh, right? This is beautiful. This is all the men in the house want to drive this home. We got one more, maybe, maybe one more. See, every salvage story has an ooh moment, has an ah moment. But you got to get through the ooh moment to get to the ah moment. The crowd's response was, you got to be kidding me. Ooh, him? Of all people, of all circumstances, like you would go home with him? Here's the thing about Jesus that the crowd didn't get, and we sometimes don't get. Jesus had a very high ooh threshold. He had a very high ooh threshold. Crowd didn't. Crowd had a very low ooh threshold. They look at him and go, ooh. Jesus? Jesus didn't say ooh when other people said ooh. Jesus didn't pull back when other people pulled back. Jesus didn't turn away when other people turned away. Jesus had this very high ooh threshold, and even a chief tax collector, who had betrayed his people, cheated people, robbed people. Jesus said, that's before, but I got an after. That's the ooh, I got an ah. I'm going to your house. We're going to work on this. See, the reason Jesus had such a high ooh threshold is because Jesus knew what he could do with the ooh. Jesus knew what he could do with the ooh. If you take me to an old house or an old car, it's hopeless. It's just going to stay that way. It ain't ever going to get better. It's not going to be pretty. There is no ah moment coming. It's going to be ooh forever if it's up to me. But but Jesus meets moments of brokenness, and he doesn't just see the brokenness. He doesn't just see the before. Jesus says, I can see an after. I can see a better. I can see a restored. I can see an improved. I can see a transformed. I can see a salvaged. Jesus could see that in the people that he met. Now, the crowd couldn't see it. The crowd couldn't see it. And if we're honest, we don't always see it. We don't always look at people as if they could have an after. We just think their before is going to last forever. We we just think who they are right now is going to be who they'll always be. Jesus didn't look at people that way. So so the challenge for us, the challenge is that you and I should have a high ooh threshold as well. If we're going to be like Jesus, then you, you and I've got to try to raise the way we look at people Not just to a before lens, but to a before lens that could see an after lens if Jesus got involved. I mean, you and I can't fix people. We can't renovate people. We can't salvage people. But Jesus can. And Jesus is in us. And Jesus is at work in this world. And the people didn't like what was happening. But somewhere In the process, and the Bible doesn't tell us where it happened. Maybe maybe it was standing on the street in that first encounter. Maybe it was walking to Zacchaeus' house. Maybe it was sometime over dinner. Zacchaeus goes from before to after. Not on the outside. I mean, he looked the same on the outside. But his heart got renovated. His heart got changed. Verse 8. And stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him today, Salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus says, Look, there's been a change. There's been a change. Not, Not because he gave money to the poor not because he repaid people that he achieved there was a change and because of that change everything else changed like the outside did change but it wasn't his giving money to the poor that changed him it was Jesus who changed him and as a result Zacchaeus went look everything's got to change now every if I'm going to follow Jesus everything's got to change I can't continue to do what I did. I can't treat people the way I treated them. Everything on the outside has to change because everything on the inside changed. Jesus renovated, salvaged this man's heart. And he makes this statement. This man is now a son of Abraham. That's a relational statement. Like You're in. You're in the family. Zacchaeus hadn't been in in a long time. He was never invited to the get-togethers, never invited to the barbecue. He was never included. He was a perpetual outsider because of who he was and what he chose to do. He's a perpetual outsider. And Jesus announced, no, this man's been renovated. He's he's inside now. He's, He's in the family now. He's one of us. And maybe over his shoulder to the crowd, Jesus said, deal with it. Deal with it. Because this man's been changed. And he's inside now. And he's always going to be inside. That's what, that's what Jesus does when he meets broken people. And broken lives. Messed up backgrounds. Jesus steps in and says, look, if you'll see me, because I already see you, if you'll trust me and put your faith in me, we'll start putting this thing back together. We'll salvage what's happening in your life and in your past. Not just put a coat of paint on it. Jesus doesn't just kind of buff out some of the dents. Jesus changes from the inside out. He renovates us from the heart outward. He salvages us. Maybe it's been a while for some of us since um, that happened. You, those of you who are followers of Jesus, you remember that moment when you saw Jesus and you trusted Jesus? And how it changed the person that you were? And, and not, not just salvaged you sometime in the past, I came to faith when I was a kid, and God salvaged me in that moment. But I just think of all of the things that God rescued me from all the rest of my life. Like right, like now, all the things He rescued me from when I was a teenager, and, and the things He salvaged me from when I was in college, because I was trusting Him, because I was following Him. The things that He salvaged me from, He protected me from. When I was a young adult and newly married and... Trying to be a good dad. And how my life would be radically different. How the hell, how there'd be so much more brokenness. If it hadn't been for Jesus, not just salvaging me as an eight-year-old boy, but every day since, restoring, loving, giving hope. And if it's been a while since you, you expressed gratitude to Jesus for His salvaging in your life, this would be a great day to do that. And maybe you you haven't been at that point. Maybe, Maybe you know about Jesus. Maybe you're interested in Jesus. Maybe you've been looking for Jesus. Jesus has been looking for you. He sees you. And today... Great day for your heart to get renovated like Zacchaeus. Just put your faith and trust in Jesus who lived and died and rose again for your forgiveness and your eternal life. That's what he does. I I, I don't share things to, if you come, you know that I don't try to drive people's emotions. I don't. I don't try to make people cry and, and work people up. Um, just tell you about a little bit about where our family's been uh, uh, this week. We um, we spent two Saturdays ago. We uh, we spent a day with some high, a high school friend of mine and two of her kids, and um, just had a great day. My my girls reconnected with their kids, and we they they've been together when they were younger, and just kind of reconnected. Sophia's 18, the daughter, so she's right there in the middle of all of our girls, and uh, a week later, this past Saturday, we're, my wife and I were going up to youth camp to hang out with the kids for the day, and I got a call from my sister that uh, Linda, her mom, and and Sophia were cycling, uh, they were preparing for a race, they were cycling in, in Tifton, and uh, A 19 year old in a pickup truck hit both of them and killed Sophia. So we celebrated the fourth this week, and and then we drove to Tifton. And Friday morning, we we sat in a room full of hundreds of people who came to say goodbye to an 18 year old girl. Just like that. It's like beautiful, funny, great personality, loved Jesus. I mentioned that for two reasons. One is, I, I know Jesus can restore this in the hearts of people who are hurting. I know Jesus is big enough and straight, even though we don't understand and we got tons of questions and nothing about it seems fair. I think Jesus can salvage even this, but also, again, I'm not trying to play on your emotions, I, I'm just telling you where our life is right now. Life is brief. And nobody, nobody knows walking out the door. Nobody knows. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what today holds. You don't know what next week holds. Look, I, I believe Jesus is God's son. He's the most beautiful person ever. He is God who changes our lives Radically, and I just want to say, don't put this off. Don't keep waiting. Don't keep thinking later. Don't keep thinking another time. Maybe you'll get another. I hope you get a lot of other times. And we don't know, nobody knows. I, I, I know that Jesus can salvage hearts today. You bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're, if you're a believer, just would you pray? Just pray, thank, thank God for, for what he saved you from when you became a believer and what he saved you from ever since. If you're not a believer, Jesus sees you. He notices you. Jesus is the ultimate noticer. Now, you didn't slip in here this morning and not be under the eye of Jesus. He knows you. He loves you. And if you've never trusted Him by faith, do it right now. Right now, just in your own words. Recognize the way Zacchaeus recognized. I I haven't lived my life the way I should. I've sinned. I've disobeyed God. I need Him in my life. And And then believe that Jesus died for all of those sins to give you eternal life, life in Christ, And then just commit to following. Just commit to following. I'll be happy to talk to you afterwards, pray with you. You you could indicate that you prayed to receive Christ on the card before you turn it in. Or that you have questions, you want to talk to somebody. There's no greater decision you're ever going to make in your whole life than to give your life to Christ. God, I pray you're... Spirit would just continue to settle over this service and our hearts. Some of us clearly look back in our life and we know there was a before. And it wasn't pretty and it wasn't all cleaned up. And we tried to hide it from everybody, but we couldn't hide it from you. And you saw us and you stepped into our lives and you changed us. And you've been changing us ever since. But maybe there's one or two or ten. They've been putting it off. They, they've been waiting. Why wait? Why wait anymore? God, I, I pray you give them the courage to trust you with their life right now and then to let somebody know. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.